Welcome to Breaking Free Authentically, the podcast where we explore what redefining relationships looks like through a sex-positive lens. Let's kick shame and guilt to the curb and really start living a sexy, authentic life. I'm passionate about normalizing out-of-the-box ways of designing relationships. There's nothing quite like finding your tribe and experiencing the freedom of being completely yourself without judgment. I'm your host, Kareen Bedard, your sex-positive relationship designer, and I'm here to guide you in creating the relationship you desire, whether that is a more open one or simply a more empowered one. Join me every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to enjoy the newest episode. Well, good morning, everyone. We are back for episode 29 of Breaking Free Authentically. I am back from Jamaica. I am all tanned and shh, I have no tan lines. But you can ask me about that in my DMs. It was such a fun trip. I had an absolute blast. It was so needed and I'm so happy I took the time to do that. And, you know, it was a work trip, so you can't really argue with that. Anyways, let's get into today's podcast. We are going to be talking to Andrea Hansen, or you can say Andrea Hansen, or anything you want, really, because she hasn't even decided how she likes to say it. Um, I tried to get the exact pronunciation from her, and really, there isn't one, so we're just going to go with Andrea today, I think. So this beautiful person is a dear friend. We've gotten to know each other over the past couple years, and I'm so thankful to have her in my life. She is a licensed clinical mental health counselor who specializes in rapid neurobiological rebalancing, shifting clients from a state of trauma response to a state of wholeness and flow. And I think this is so important. And you hear me talking a lot about things that have nothing to do with sex, seemingly, but in my mind, they have everything to do with sex. They have everything to do with authenticity and have everything to do with who you really are. And if we don't get to the bottom of who we truly are, we can never live to our fullest potential. So for me, it's really a holistic way of looking at life. And one of the things is getting out of your head and into your body. I was stuck in my head for so long. I'm such a cerebral person and I really use my mind all the time and I analyze and I think so much. And I thought that I could heal using just my mind. And a lot of times that's why talk therapy doesn't work for everyone because we can't just solve things just in our minds, in our heads, and just by talking it through. We really have to bring our somatics our somatic body into it. And so we delve into the somatics of the body and how to be aware of what is happening in this episode. We store trauma and emotion in the body. We also experience great pleasure in the body. So it's important to understand how to tap into our body and be able to control it. Life doesn't just happen in our heads. So why do we often think we can solve things with only our minds? This will be a two-part conversation, and today we will focus on our bodies and discovering how to drop into our bodies 
And next week, we will take a look at how this can affect our sex lives. So stay tuned for that one. We all have a window of tolerance, says Andrea. And today, she's going to take us on a little explorative journey to find out how to remain in that window. Next week, we'll talk more about expanding that window. So stay tuned and come back next week. So without further ado, we're going to get into this week's episode. Please visit our website at www.breakingfreeauthentically.com and subscribe to our mailing list so you never miss an episode. Be sure to leave a review on Podchaser by clicking the link at the top of the page. That would mean the world to me. Finally, I'd love for you to join Breaking Free Authentically, our private sex-positive relationship community on Facebook. All the links will be posted in the show notes. Enjoy the show. So just a little disclaimer that if you are driving, you will want to refrain from doing her guided exercise until you can do so in a safe place with your eyes closed. Thank you. Safety first. Anyways, here is the conversation I had with Andrea or Andrea Hansen. Enjoy. Well, welcome back to Breaking Free Authentically. And I'm so happy to be here today with my Amazing friend, Andrea Hansen. She is a therapist and she's going to tell you what else that she does. But I met her in um, a program, a business program that we were doing and we became fast friends. And I'm just really thankful to have her in my life. And even though we don't talk very often, Andrea, I'm just glad that you're there and that we have each other in each other's lives. So I'm so glad we get to talk about what we're talking about today. We are going to talk about sort of getting in the body, right? Like some of the work that you've done with me (laughs) is getting me out of my head into my body because I'm so cerebral and I'm such a thinker and sometimes an overthinker where I'm wanting to analyze everything and figuring it out in my head. And you help me recognize that that's not enough to just have it in your head because trauma and emotions are stored in the body. And it's important to be able to connect to your body so that you can have access to that and get rid of it and move it through your body so that you can be healed. And that's hugely beneficial. So you helped me a lot on that sort of journey of healing and connecting my mind to my body. So welcome, Andrea. Thank you for being here. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me. It's so fun to be on your show and to have watched the journey of you getting into your body and being able to move through your life with more flow and really embrace the gift that you are. And it's your Mm -hmm. podcast is super popular. Everybody loves it. You're an amazing person. I'm glad that we're friends as well. I'm glad to be here. Well, Andrea, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do um, and and just a little bit more about you, who you are, because you're pretty cool. You're pretty funny, too. And oh, um, <laughs> I love your little posts on Facebook. They're very random and funny. I love it. Anyway, so tell us a little bit about your journey and what you do and what your mission yeah. is. Kind of. It has been quite the journey. Um, I started out uh, doing therapy 
partially because I had so many therapists throughout life who just did not seem to either care or get it. I did a lot of therapy as a kid, a lot of court-ordered therapy. My parents were divorced and there was a lot of really crazy custody battle stuff. So there was that. And then as a teenager, I went inpatient for, I don't really remember how long. (laughs) It was a while I was inpatient at a residential treatment center. And that therapy was really terrible. And it was a point in my life that I really needed some good therapy. I needed somebody to care. I needed help. Uh, But I wasn't able to get that help there. I wasn't able to get it from any of the court-appointed therapists. And then as an adult, I searched and searched for good therapists. I went to so many. Mm. And even even in the last couple of years, I've found just some some therapists that really just did not seem to know how to help me. And Mm. that felt really crazy. I felt like, wow, there must be something just horrifically wrong with me if these professionals don't seem to get it. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if they, I don't, I don't know. When you're the client, you don't know what the therapist is thinking and why they're not quite able to help. So you come up with all of these, these things that are usually (laughs) about you being like, oh, I'm just like too much or like, I'm just not trying hard enough or whatever it is. So then I went to school to become a therapist. And I wanted to be something more, but I didn't know how to be more. And in graduate school, even though it was super intensive, like three years after after undergrad and a really small cohort, there were only eight of us. Even still, I didn't really learn what I actually needed to know to be Mm. able to help my clients. So beyond that, after graduate school, I went to tons of really specialized trainings by people like Dr. Bessel van der Kolk and Stephen Porges and Dr. Ruth Lanius to learn more about the neurobiology mm. of, of, of being human mm-hmm. and of experiencing adverse things throughout life. We might call them trauma. Sometimes people don't want to call it trauma. They just want to say, oh, it's just my environment, right? Which is totally fine because either way, it does impact us on a very, very deep level in the body, like you mm-hmm. were saying earlier. So it, our experiences throughout life, they inform how our brain develops and how our nervous system develops and how it interacts with the world. And as I was able to learn about that and incorporate specific techniques that target different regions of the brain or the body, depending on what the client needs, mm-hmm. then I was really able to see like, oh my gosh, everything that I experienced, all my symptoms, they all made so much sense. And they didn't have to be um, put into categories. That never really helped. I had been diagnosed with all kinds of different things. It it was like, oh, this is wrong with me. Oh, this is wrong with me. But the reality was like, oh, okay. So my brain and my nervous system had just adapted to its environment. Mm -hmm. And this is what I'm left with. So there's just some things that I have to do to unwind that and to Mm. recalibrate it into something new. Mm. Was it, how heartbreaking was it to finish school and go, oh, that's why nobody's been able to help me. I have no new information. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. And I, I wouldn't say I had no new information. It was really beneficial. I learned the basic therapy skills. I learned, I grew a ton as a person. I had a lot of practice but it was talk therapy. It was all talk therapy. Mm -hmm. So cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectic behavioral therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, all of those basic 
mm-hmm. therapies, which are important, totally important. They're really important. Um, but I think we weren't really aware of the mind body connection as much. Like, I, I mean, I'd never heard of it. And, and all of a sudden in this program that we were in, like, there was somatic healers and there was this and there was that. And I was like, what, what is, it? you know, like, what is this woo woo, <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever. Um, but what I realized is it was so much more than, than woo woo. It wasn't just like, there was some real neurological science yeah. that connected, like, you know, now there's like so much talk about the va- the vagus nerve and stuff. And I was like, what, what is that? Like, I don't understand what that is. And I think, sometimes I'm not even clear. I just know that it regulates your system and gets you out of fight and flight. If you can get back online with your vagus, use your vagus nerve to get you back online is what I understand it to be. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like your central computer that, that regulates everything. So you're not like just surviving for your life and you can breathe better and things like that. So that's why deep breathing and all these kinds of things work is because it does reactivate that vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. Um, so that this is kind of stuff that I was starting to learn and, and like attachments theory, attachment styles. And um, that is a lot of it is in your mind, but the impact is in your body, right? Like, so when you get triggered, we feel something in our body. And then as I was doing more research, I was, uh, I've referred to him before and I can, I never remember his name. The 10 second miracle by Gay Hendricks. I always forget his name. I don't know why. Um, but that was the first time I heard this concept that, that he was using with his clients as a therapist and just locating the zones in your body where you're feeling things. And then each zone represented a different kind of thing like anger or uh longing or anxiety and fear you know there's like zone one so i've used that with my clients a lot because it's just like it's a quick easy way to just like tune into your body and go where am i feeling that oh hey that's doing this or that's causing that or oh i must be angry and i thought i was just sad <laughs> or yeah. you know there's longing and i thought i was just sad well yeah, but you're sad because you're longing for love or you're longing for touch or you're longing for a hug or longing for these words to be said to you because you feel like that's been ripped away from you or whatever. And it affects your throat and, and you know, your, your throat chakra. And you can look at it as chakras or whatever, but however you look at it, your body is so informative. And so I just yeah. did a podcast a couple of weeks ago, The Body Never Lies, right? And he was saying the mind is a shit stoned, uh, <laughs> shit stone asshole. That's what he said. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> and yes. so, but the body never lies. You know, you can tell if someone's hunched over or someone's mm-hmm. like looking down or up. Or, so yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. I'm just taking over, you know. Yeah. I'm not no, a therapist, I'm... Andrea. I'm not there. <laughs> Andrea. Sorry. I always say your name wrong. It's Andrea. No, there's multiple ways to say my name and they're all correct. So you are, you are totally good. (laughs) That's one of the cool things about my name. I think is that just depending on where I am, people say it differently. Me too. People are like, how do you say your name? Well, it depends. It's actually Karen. 
Ooh. or it's Korean because I chose yeah. that one finally when I went and lived in the States because they were all saying I sure. should be Korean. And okay. then I grew up saying Karen because I was French and the, the closest English name that I knew is Karen. And then everybody who my mom introduced me to, so at church and everything, they call me Corinne because it sounded like Karin. That makes sense. So, you know, like, I'm like, ah, uh, whatever. And then yeah, it's all right. Bella. That just makes it easy. People are like, uh, oh, what's perfect. your name? I'm Bella. Oh, well, actually, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bella. That's a good one. <laughs> I know. I like it. And when he calls me Korean, I'm like, what? what are you saying? I'm Bella. You what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> my name is Bella thank you very much I love anyway. it that's cute <laughs> yeah so to respond to what you were saying about it feels woo-woo I get that a lot in fact I had a, a client reach out to me a potential client reach out to me just last week um, and he had heard that I was seeing somebody that he kind of distantly knew and wanted to know more about what I do he'd never seen a therapist before and so I explained to him what I do and that it's not quite in mainstream mental health, but it's still, it's still very well researched. It still is within the mental health field. Um, and he, he was like, Oh, I just don't know how I feel about this. And mm -hmm. later he emailed me and said, so I talked to my primary care physician and my mm -hmm. primary care physician said not to see you. Oh, so I was like, Oh geez. Okay. I get it. You know, who knows how that message got transferred to the primary care physician, mm -hmm. but then also in so much of the medical field that is very much run by the insurance companies and the pharmaceutical companies, it, there's a lot of politics around mm -hmm. wanting to call certain things woo-woo, even mm -hmm. though there's more research behind these quote-unquote woo-woo things than there is um, for some of these other practices that we mm -hmm. use. And there's more efficacy. So it's, it is better treatment modalities than some of these other mm -hmm. modalities that we see. But at the end of the day, it's all about where is the funding coming from? And um, oh, it's higher eh? Yeah. And, and I that, understand that you want to regulate a body so that you can trust things, but um, yeah, change takes a while. And it's like, it's hard for the science sometimes to catch up with like, you know, what you see, like I'm seeing so much like work with fascia and things like that. And, and just how, you know, um, releasing the fascia just can release tension and trauma and, and pain and, and all kinds of things. And you, you see it happening before your eyes, you know, and, um, you know, a lot of people are like, well, that's just hogwash. Cause that's not mainstream yeah. or whatever. And so it's tricky because I once was very much, oh, well, that's, I only believe what the scientific evidence is. That. And, and I do still, but I think there's, there's scientific evidence there's evidence for things that that do work, but that are not considered mainstream yet. They haven't mm -hmm. caught up. and Yeah. Or there's just politics getting in the way of them being able to be. Mm -hmm. When I've worked at mental health clinics, the goal is client retention, mm -hmm. not client progression. So yeah, when you have a modality that's good enough that helps clients feel like they're you know, they're venting their concerns, they're getting some helpful insights, but they keep coming back year after year after year. That's going to be superior as far as the industry goes. Right. And 
have, you know, clients moving through, typically in my private practice, I don't see clients for much longer than three months. And well, I mean, it's the same with the medical field, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. if it, if you're healed completely, then you don't need drugs and you don't need this, <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, I mean, you need to be sick for doctors to be in business. So it's the same thing, I guess, with therapy. Okay, well, let's move yeah. on because let's totally move we're wasting on. precious time here talking <laughs> about are. what the good stuff is. <laughs> we are. So I was going to... Um, go into so that so after like you asked after graduate school yeah kind of a bummer um but also I just started to learn so much about neuroscience and biology and there was a a feeling of rage a little bit of like oh my gosh why isn't this well known it's Mm. out there why isn't it well known and when I started applying that to my clients this the results were just incredible um and then you know, one thing that has just been really present, really consistent is how much, like you were saying, the body really is important. And that's, that's what we're talking about today for the most part is Mm -hmm. the body and how do you get in it? How do you be in it? Yeah. Cause I say that phrase a lot. We need to get into our body or or does your body feel safe? And, and you know, (laughs) I remember like I was doing an article for, um, for authority magazine and and my uh heather was like um can we change this wording because what does that mean you know like what does that actually mean and i was like but it i guess people don't really understand that like in our worlds like we're talking about these things all the time safety in the body and how you feel in your body and tapping into your body but outside of the coaching world most people really haven't heard this stuff. They don't know what you're talking about. So tell us what that means. Yeah. So is it okay instead of telling you with words, is it okay if we do some experiential feeling it? Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. So if you're listening, if you have a space that you can just sit down in, I mean, obviously not if you're driving, right? But if you have some time to just practice this, um, this exercise that I do with a lot of my clients, then follow along. And if you start to notice that you are feeling really uncomfortable to a point where you just cannot tolerate it, or you want to disconnect from your body, then stop doing it, do whatever you need to to ground yourself, right? But if you feel like it's an interesting exercise that you want to continue forward with, then follow us through the end, and we'll talk about it a little bit. All right, you ready? Okay. Let's go ahead and close our eyes. Take a deep breath. And imagine that your body is one of those glitter tubes that when you tilt it upside down, the glitter starts slowly falling down until it's all at the very bottom. Then you tilt it the other way. It all falls down again, kind of like an hourglass, but just prettier glitter. Not as fast, very slow. Just kind of be curious what color is your glitter. Let yourself with your breath, let the glitter flow up and down. Up all the way to the top of your head. down all the way to the tip of your toes, 
just kind of swirling in the center. And for those of you who absolutely despise glitter, you can make it whatever you want. So then we're going to press all of the glitter as hard as we possibly can into our backs and our thighs. It's kind of gluing us down onto the chair or onto the couch, whatever you're sitting on. And notice the change in your breath, the change in your posture, the change in your heart rate, the change in your energy level, your motivation. When all of that glitter is putting so much pressure on your back and your thighs. And then next, we're going to push it out even further past your body into the chair and just notice that body experience. What's happening now? Being curious about this state. And now we'll allow for release and just floating up and down through the center of the body again creating space in the chest, abdomen area. Letting the glitter go all the way up to the top of your head and fall gently down to the tip of your toes. Now we'll practice pushing that glitter up to the front of your face and your chest, even the front of your arms, just pushing up and forward as hard as it can. And noticing again the change in your breath, heart rate, facial muscles, you might notice some tenseness. You might notice a feeling of drive, like I need to get up. This is uncomfortable. I don't like this. Need to go do something, focus on something, be distracted by something. Just noticing that feeling. What else do you notice? Just be curious. And then push that feeling out past your face, past your chest, so it's out in front of you. Just notice the differences there as well. And there is no right or wrong. This is about how you experience this. Okay, and again, allowing that glitter to fall back into the center of your body. Noticing the shifts in breath, muscle, heart rate, energy, focus. Let's give yourself three more breaths in this space and then we'll open our eyes.
All right. So I'd love to hear, Corrine, your thoughts of what that experience was like for you. Wow. The first thing that comes to mind is is like just the relaxation I felt with the glitters just floating around, but just how much I was able to manipulate how my body felt with just my mind and just the imagination of things. I've been doing a lot of hypnotherapy lately and it's like, it's so amazing like to be guided through that totally dropping into your body and relaxing. It's so weird. But that feeling of glitter, like put like bunching up and pushing against you is like, wow, that's so it felt heavy. And, and, and when you said, check your breathing, I was like, oh, I'm breathing a lot shallower. And I'm sure my heart rate was up, but I was like tenser. My neck was like tense. And then when it was like forward in my face and I was like, felt like I was leaning forward a little bit, but it was easy enough to move it out. Yeah. Of when you said push it through in front, it's like at first with the back, I didn't know how to do it. And then I kind of figured out just to like relax again and it kind of flowed through. It was, it was very interesting. Yeah, it is. It is such an interesting, um, it's amazing how much we can control our bodily sensations in some ways. Mm-hmm. Right? And when we can do it intentionally, it makes it easier to then cope with it later when we notice like, oh, my body's doing this. Um, how can I bring the glitter back to the center? So something that I'll mm. ask my clients if they're having you know a hard time or if they text me like, oh, I'm just, I'm panicking about this. I'm like, hey, where's your glitter? <laughs> mm-hmm. Where are you going to put your glitter? And of course, it's not going to solve everything. But just starting that experience of, wow, like that pressure in the front or in the back is not how I really want to be feeling. And then being curious, you know, why am I feeling? this way mm-hmm. what's going on and i know in your in your last podcast that you did you guys talked a little bit about this in the sense of jealousy mm-hmm. and noticing and being able to say okay i'm feeling this certain way i'm having these thoughts around it i'm making up this story essentially and then how can my behaviors and my thoughts match a different reality and pull myself out of this um what else can i focus on so similar to that is um the sense of being in the middle essentially being balanced within yourself and that's where the glitter is in the center mm. so the concept the way that it's easy for me to visualize this is a, it's a concept called the window of tolerance mm. so the window of tolerance there's a top and there's a bottom and that that's the window of what you're able to tolerate the window can be smaller or the window can be bigger But regardless, if you're inside that window, you're okay, right? You might feel sad, you might feel stressed, you might feel um, angry, but you're fine. You're tolerating it. And then as soon as you are above that window of tolerance, you're in what we call hyper arousal. So you're feeling too much of a certain thing to be able to tolerate. Typically, the more anxious, angry, that's that face forward, the glitter against your chest and against your face pushing you. Mm. So you might in that state find yourself just constantly trying to distract yourself, constantly trying to like do, 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 go, 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 because you can't just 
be in your body. You're you're out. You're pushing yourself against your face. You're in that above the window of tolerance. Mm. And then when we go even above that, so pushing that glitter out past the front of the body, that's where more of a disconnected, somewhat dissociated, uh, robotic productivity comes from. And that's mm. so common in like the workaholics, right? And the yeah, the people who just like do 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 all the time, and they're barely even like a human, right? They don't feel like a human. They don't feel like they can slow down. There's almost this sense of like, who am I even mm. if I were to not be doing all the time? And then there's that neglect, right? How do I connect to myself? How do I know that I'm not a terrible person? How could I possibly be in my body and be okay? Mm. And then on the flip side of that, we have the um, the bottom of the window of tolerance. And that's more where the glitter is pushed down against the back and against the thighs, where that's the more depressive states, the sad states, the lethargic, just tired, fuzzy brained, can't really build the motivation to do much of anything, mm. glued to the bed, and then push down past that is you know, the, the opposite, the same kind of dissociative feeling, but more of like a, I'm lost in space. I'm lost in time. Nothing matters. Mm. So with that glitter practice, you can practice noticing where am I inside or outside of my window of tolerance and how can I course correct to get back into it? Mm. That's cool. I like that visual. I like that visual. And so your window of tolerance is like you're trying to stay within that window of tolerance. Yeah. Um and get yourself back in sort of that that yeah. comfortable place and yeah. That's I can see that how helpful that that will be. How how hard is it to do when, so I say sometimes, you know, you flipped your lid, <laughs> like your, your frontal cortex comes up and flips back and then you're in your, your lizard brain, essentially, that's just keep trying to keep you alive. And that would be fight, flight, um, fawn or freeze. Right. So that's your survival yeah. mode and you're not be able, able to be rational. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to sort of tap into this glitter while you're in that state? Yeah, it is a lot harder. So the fight flight is not much of your brain is accessible. Like you said, mm -hmm. the lizard part of your brain is accessible and you're on a total autopilot. So any skill that is a well-being skill in general, it's important to practice all the time so that one, you can work on expanding your window of tolerance and you mm -hmm. can practice getting into the window of tolerance because every time we practice something, we're building neural networks and right. we're solidifying them. So if you wait until a moment of crisis, it's going to be really hard to think like, oh, I heard this podcast this one time that Corinne did. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm going to practice this skill right now because that area of your brain that is remembering any of that is nowhere to be found mm -hmm. in that moment. Mm -hmm. So consistently practicing it. And then, yeah, if you if you do consistently practice it, then it is possible to use in the moment. In fact, I had a, a session with a client just this morning who said that she did use that specific glitter meditation to help herself get out of a panic attack a few weeks ago. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I could see that because I, I've not had panic attacks very often, but I know like, you know, right before I separated, I was just like in just a really bad space and I was severely depressed. And, and then I just felt like such heaviness on my chest every once in a while. And I think anybody who goes through something where you just feel like you're, you're not loved or you're not sure if you're loved or, you know, the stories that you create just cause like a lot of anxiety. I'd never experienced that quite like that. And I just, my chest would feel so heavy and I'd be like, you know, and yeah, that, that just being able to breathe and then just kind of drop in and just relax and just allow that to move through me was like so hard to do. But I mean, otherwise I was just in this very, very panicked state. It's so interesting. Um, I'd love to just kind of go back to it because Dr. Jolie talked about these five steps, you know, when, when you're feeling jealous and the first one is to really notice your somatic symptoms. Right. And you alluded to that. So notice like when you're starting to feel jealous. So I just want to maybe use this and use that to, to have a practical way and something that can help us in our journeys and our relationships. Uh, jealousy is something we experience in monogamy or non-monogamy and, there's a lot of different thoughts about it, you know, um, but jealousy is there to tell us something or to teach some, to teach us something or to help us recognize, you know, what's not going well for us in a lot of ways. And so we'll feel that in different ways in our body. And you just said, you know, it's a lot harder to do this glitter practice when your lid is flipped, right? And when you're already offline and, in a fight or flight state. And so she had mentioned, right, to to learn to recognize these somatic symptoms quickly early on so you can you can know what's happening before and then you're able to name sort of the emotions that come with it. So let's say you're starting to feel tension in your body, you feel sick to your stomach, you're like, "Oh my gosh, my partner is out with someone else and I just uh, what if they get along with them really well? And what if it goes really well and they want to spend all their time with them? And I just, I can't even handle this right now. And I'm, my chest is feeling really tight and I'm starting to get a headache. And I just feel like my body's closing up at that point. What would you recommend yeah. doing? Oh, that is, um, yeah, that's definitely a, a really good thing to practice. Just being aware consistently. So first off, Um, I would practice being aware of your body sensations regularly. Mm -hmm. There's a specific kind of yoga um, that builds up the insular cortex, and that is connected to the the salience network, the vagus nerve, all of that that helps you notice what you're feeling. Mm. It's very permission-based. So essentially, stretch and notice what you feel. So that's Mm. step one. Step two, when you're in that situation, when you're actually feeling jealous, whether or not, whether you're practicing feeling jealous or feeling jealous because something external triggered that feeling of jealousy, what I would say is talk to those um, parts of yourself. So there's something in you that is scrunching up your shoulders. There's something in you that's making you maybe feel a little bit anxious. So go inside and say, hey, what's up? I notice that you're feeling really upset right now. Why are you feeling so upset? What's going on? And chances are 
some part of your body is trying to send you some kind of message that they feel is important. And it might be important. More often than not, it's some kind of external story, like a societal thing that doesn't actually belong to you, or something from the past that is a deep insecurity that isn't really true, but you've always worried is true. Like maybe you're not good enough or attractive enough mm. or lovable. And so maybe there's something inside of you that maybe got rejected back when you were 13 or you were just so wrapped up in insecurity that it's now it's making your stomach nauseous when you're feeling this sense of jealousy or maybe it's crunching up your shoulders and and maybe trying to make you hide a little mm -hmm. bit because you don't want to be out and face the possibility that maybe you're not quite enough. Mm -hmm. right? So go in and have those conversations with those internal parts, figure out you know, what age are they? What are they experiencing right now? Ooh, what are they getting into internal or yes. uh, inner child work? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I love parts work. And yeah. And then seeing like, okay, what do they need right now? Do they need comfort from you in your current form? Letting them know like, hey, I, I get that we did go through a lot of crappy stuff when we were 13, but now this is what's going on, just holding them and holding space for them and mm -hmm. allowing them to come into the present and, and face the new reality that you are in together. And then if you really are concerned, if you feel like there is a possibility that, um, that there's some kind of need for you to be worried about the security of your relationship, being able to be brave enough to have those conversations, but the part work comes first because that's taking ownership. Mm -hmm. That's saying, I'm feeling this way. And yes, there's an objective scenario going on around me, but the trigger is my own. The emotion mm -hmm. is my own. And that, and, and what can I do about that on my own? How can I self-soothe? And then how can I move forward in a way that is in alignment with who I am, mm -hmm. my sense of values, my sense of purpose, my sense of me. Because if we don't acknowledge that trigger first, if we don't own it, if we don't do our end first, we typically will self-betray in a way that might look like um, withdrawing from the relationship or getting snappy with our partner or making accusations or following them around and stalking them or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it might be that is very, very human, but also typically not something that we look back on and say like, yes, I'm very proud of that. That is, that is how I identify as a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's so good. Um, we, we tend to self-sabotage too, just to prove that we're, our story's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like, totally. I feel like I'm not enough. I'm going to push you so hard that you're so sick of me <laughs> that you just need a break from me. And I'm now going to believe that I'm not enough. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. That's a perfect. <laughs> now I have evidence that yes. my feeling was was right. But when you can own that first, yeah, and be like, well, this is how I feel inside, and there's a reason for it because at some point I felt like I wasn't enough, and you know, maybe I wasn't there for myself then. You know, maybe I didn't embrace who I was. And so I talk about loving who you are and, and accepting who you are. And it's like, who, who better to kind of reparent yourself than you, because you understand you in a way you understand what you needed in that moment more than anybody else, mm -hmm. you know, like your parent maybe ignored you because you didn't 
they had no idea what you were really feeling, but you knew what you were feeling. And maybe you abandoned yourself in that moment too. Yeah. And believed what the story said, you know, that you weren't enough. And now it's time to go back and give new information to that story and be like, well, my mom was depressed and she couldn't even see past her own self at that moment. It had nothing to do with me, had nothing to do with the fact that I wasn't enough. I am enough. And here, I'm going to hold you and make you feel like you're enough. And I love you and I care about you. And, and that starts to like heal that, that child that's stuck. You know, you say, what age do you go back to? And I say that a lot to my clients. I'm like, you know, when you're hit with this like trauma response and this fear and your body just like, like what age do you see yourself? Like what happens and and where were you? Because chances are you kind of replay that same age over and over again until you move past that age, right? Mm -hmm. Until you kind of heal that particular instance. And then you're faced with another one to move through until you're slowly getting older and older in your trauma responses. (laughs) Until you're like an adult and you're like, hey, now we're friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And different scenarios bring up those different ages. And it's the thalamus in the brain. So the mm. thalamus is the chef. It's the gourmet chef of the brain. And all of these different sensations are coming in through your visuals, through your um, skin, through everything. And then there's the region of your brain, like the default mode network that's in charge of like, where are we in space and in time along our own timelines? Mm. And there are moments throughout our life that are so emotional that they overwhelm our system to the point where it's not quite integrating in the way that we need it to, to be able to move forward. And that's where these stuck parts of self come from is when the thalamus was not quite able to make that um, make that meal in a way mm. that the, it then integrated into just kind of a regular memory. It just gets stuck. And mm. I think something that you said earlier definitely stood out to me of so often there are parts of ourselves that we really want to reject mm. that, you know, super embarrassing, super nerdy junior high version of ourselves or mm. um even like in individual moments where we did something that we just look back on and we cringe and we're like oh my gosh that was not me mm-hmm. um i can't believe i did that and when we do that to ourselves it's so much easier for us to feel a sense of not enough n- mm-hmm. unlovable rejection from other people because we feel that way about not necessarily our whole selves, but we are actively rejecting and trying to dismiss and push away a very real part of ourselves. Yeah. And, and, and so like when we say things like, you know, be your best friend or be your primary partner or um, show yourself more love than, than anybody, people don't really understand that. They're like, it's just a concept to them, but this is exactly it. These kinds of things like I say a lot of times, if you have a child, like as a parent, if you have a child that's acting out and it's like, mom, 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 and they're just driving you nuts, it's easy to go, can you just go to your room? I have had enough. Like, go. That child's going to keep acting up. They're going to go cry. They're going to, whatever. That's not going to help them necessarily. And I mean, it might help you temporarily, but that's a temporary fix. There's still got something, but if you stop for a second and you acknowledge the child and you 
get down to their level and are like, okay, what's going on for you? Like, what's going on for you? Oh, I did this. And look, here's, here's the picture I drew or whatever. And then it's like, everything goes away. It's like, nothing was wrong because they just needed your attention. They just needed to be acknowledged for a moment and know that they were worthy of you just stopping for a second. And it doesn't have to take very long. It could be seconds. And we do that to ourselves. Like we, this inner child is inside kicking and screaming and it's like, pay attention to me. I just want to know that I'm worthy. And we're like, shut up. Would you please stop? Go away. I don't want to remember you because that's an embarrassing time in my life or whatever. But if we go, you know what? No one was there for you then. And I'm so sorry. I'm here for you now and I won't leave you. I'm going to give you that hug that you need, or I'm going to go see what you needed in that moment. And you know what? That inner internal struggle, it will probably go away pretty quickly because all of a sudden they're seen. And isn't that what we want? We just want to be seen. And so we act out and we do things for our partners. We blame our partners. We blame our friends that they're not seeing us, that they're not catching our cues or they're not meeting our needs. And it's at the end of the day because we actually aren't willing to meet our own needs. We're pushing away the pieces of us that we don't approve of. Mm-hmm. How is someone else supposed to approve of us if we don't even approve of us, you know? And we have to love all parts of ourselves, even the parts that we hate. And we have to love ourselves for hating that part. That's how we acknowledge it to begin with, right? And start this self-love process. And And I don't think that people understand that it's actually that real of a process. It's it's literally going and having a visit with your inner child. And I always say like, give that inner child, give, give them a name so that you can literally feel like you're going to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Go cry with them, go hold them, whatever it is, but take some time to be there and be present with that part of yourself that you don't love. Or that you don't want to rear its ugly head, it's not going to rear its ugly head if it just feels seen. It'll be able to sleep peacefully. You know what I mean? And then your your other versions that you really want to shine will now come out because that child is no longer holding it back. It's like no longer hanging on the ankle going, "Mom, mom, mom, look at me, look at me, and just causing chaos inside of you. And, um, I don't know that visual for me has, has been super life-changing and has helped a lot of my clients just like, how do I love myself? Well, this, this literally is how you love yourself part by part, right? Part by part. Exactly. In those uncomfortable moments Mm -hmm. that we don't want to visit but they're there, they're in us, whether we want them to be or not. And we can't reject them. It's just impossible. It will be in us. We have to reintegrate. And sometimes you don't even have to relive the whole situation. It's not like you have to sit there and relive the whole trauma. Mm -mm. You just literally have to be like, I'm not judging you. And I have no shame about you anymore. And I just, I love you. And I'm sorry that you went through that and, and acknowledge that for yourself we just want to feel worthy. And like, if we can't look at ourselves and and validate who we are internally for ourselves, like we're not going to allow anybody else to either. We'll be like, oh, no, no, no. 
I'm not beautiful. Like uh, that freckled teenager that had zits or whatever, like that's who you still are in, in your mm-hmm. mind. And you don't believe it until you, you yeah. accept that too. And then you'll start to believe, oh, hey, maybe I am beautiful. Those people aren't just lying. <laughs> They're not yeah. just trying to tell me something that isn't true, right? Right. And when you get to the core of it, when you're sitting there across from yourself, or even if you're looking at a picture of your younger self, typically mm. the reaction is, oh, I actually was kind of cute. Yeah. Or I actually was like pretty lovable all along. Right? Maybe I did some stuff that I'm not proud of. Maybe I did some embarrassing stuff. Maybe I hadn't figured out, you know, my hormones or my hygiene or whatever, but I was cute and I was lovable that whole time. But when we think that as an adult, that younger version of ourselves, just because of the way that the brain is structured, mm. it's not able to access that. So no matter how many times we look at the mirror and say, I'm so beautiful, I'm so beautiful, that 13-year-old version of ourself is unable to hear it. So we have to do a little bit of that attaching of like, where where is this version of myself? How old are they? And really going and finding that intentionally. And I think people, I've gotten, um, I've noticed that some of my clients have a hard time because they think there's like a right way to do it. And mm-hmm. I have been that way myself before with visualizations because I don't really see things when I visualize. And it seems like some people really do quite strongly. Mm-hmm. So I would say there's really no right or way, right or wrong way to go about visualizing parts. And they don't have to look like you. And you don't have to be able to actually see them. Right. It's more of a sense, right? That like I'm sensing that this is apart or maybe you can see them maybe you can't but there's there's a sense there there's a conversation there there's checking in with your body and and seeing like is there a meaningful shift happening here with this part and i've even had clients who their part of self looked like a bowling ball or looked like that little fairy on zelda navi or mm-hmm. looked like <laughs> really anything and just go with it it's okay i think i still have that picture over there of what I drew when we did this exercise. And I think it was like a little worm or something that I had. It was like a little worm and it had a little heart in there. And um, yeah, like sometimes I still think about that. And it's, and it was that, that part of me that felt so small. It was felt like a worm. Like it was just observing. And I was probably around five years old, you know, and I was always stuck there. And I didn't trust my intuition because I was told what to do and how to do it and all these things. And, and you helped me to like, love that little worm and, and all the parts of me came out and just praised and hugged that little worm at the end of our session. And, and, um, it just, it was the cutest little worm. And now it's like my little friend, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's not a worm. It's like this cute, like, um, Sesame Street, like inchworm, you know, the cute little one that we all love. So it's interesting how things can play out, but just really the key is to, to really love ourselves and, and to find it in our body, to connect with ourselves, Mm -hmm. all parts of ourselves. And that's hard to do if you're not paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. And a key there as well as trusting yourself. It's really hard to Mm -hmm. connect to your body, to notice your sensations. If you think, no, somebody else has the answer. I don't have it. I need to be searching for it elsewhere. Right. 
or I can't connect to my body because it's just too scary. I can't, you know, what if I'm not able to get it back together, right? Right. What if I just completely fall apart? So there has to be a deeper level of trust of, you know, I can do this. Whatever I experience, if I connect to my body, I have already experienced and Mm -hmm. I have made it through and I am okay and I am strong enough. And of course, there's going to be some situations where dissociation is really, really real, right? Mm -hmm. So in those cases, you know, find a professional to help you be able Mm -hmm. to connect with your body or go do whatever it is that you need to do to get to a place where you can have that deeper internal trust so that you can feel so that you can love all of those parts of self. Well, that's a good place to end. So if you would like to share your um, where we can find you, I will put those in the show notes. So if you want to tell tell them where they can find you So Mm -hmm. on my website and that link will be in the description. Great. Well, thank you so much. This has been a great talk. I think I might turn this into two episodes and uh, yeah, we'll maybe have the sexy part of it after. (laughs) But anyways, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. And thank you for your time. Have a great afternoon. You too. um, Yeah. Thank you. Love you. Thank you. Love you. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. So this is just the beginning. Wasn't that a great conversation? I love her insight into the body and how to love ourselves and heal in order to be our most authentic selves. Come back next week and we will talk about expanding that window of tolerance in our sex lives. Let's talk about edging that comfort zone so we can grow and experience amazing sex and an amazing life. Thank you for being here. As I always say, when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. I love you all, and I will see you next week. Are you struggling with your sexual well-being? Are you often disappointed in your relationships? Do you have unrealistic expectations? Do you ever wonder if you are actually cut out for monogamy? Maybe you've had some of these thoughts. Did you know it's not your fault? That's right. You've been brainwashed since childhood with a series of beliefs about sexuality and relationships. We call this the mono mindset. Do you feel like you've been sold a fairy tale when it comes to sex and love? Why isn't it working? Why am I not fulfilled? Why am I not satisfied? Why do I have a deep longing for more? Shouldn't I be satisfied? Content? Just be grateful? Well, you aren't alone. If this resonates with you, You are ready for the Breaking Free from Monogamy 8-week program. In this 8-week program, you will learn how the mono mindset has set us up for failure in our relationships and in our emotional and sexual well-being. How the mono mindset keeps us from being truly authentic in our sexuality and relationships. How it keeps us small and gives us a false sense of security. Why we think of sexuality and anything related to sex as wrong or taboo and how the mono mindset has invalidated your desires. Do you think to yourself, I want to fully enjoy my life and who I really am. I want real connections. I want to be able to be myself. I want to understand my body. I love who I am, but I don't seem to fit the mold. Maybe you've thought, I have always felt like a sexual deviant, but I'm actually a really good person. I don't understand. Well, many of my clients have said, Kareen, I didn't know I had choices. 
I thought monogamy was the only way to be happy and enjoy a fulfilling sex life. I thought that non-monogamy is for people that have commitment issues, and I thought it was just a way to legally cheat on your partner. I thought I was supposed to suppress my desires to have a successful relationship. But what if you could deconstruct the mindset that is holding you back from exploring other options? Well, you can in my eight-week Breaking Free from Monogamy program. Take your life back and become a master of healthy relating and sexuality. Lose the shame and guilt you've been programmed to feel in order to conform. It's not your fault. You weren't given a choice. Learn to love yourself and your desires. Discover what is natural and ethical. Breaking Free from Monogamy, an eight-week program shifting the mono mindset for greater intimacy and sexual well-being. Do you want to choose monogamy confidently or explore other healthy models? This program is for you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Kareen Bedard Coaching, and you can visit my website at kareenbedard.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a like and share it with your friends. I'd be so grateful if you could help by giving us a five-star review on Podchaser or iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe to our mailing list to be kept up to date about upcoming episodes and exciting news. Just visit our website at breakingfreeauthentically.com and scroll down to subscribe. You can also email me anytime. I'd love to hear from you. Send your messages and questions to kareen at kareenbedard.com. Are you a part of my Facebook community yet? Join us in Breaking Free Authentically. It's where you will find this sex-positive relationship community. I'd be thrilled to have you be a part of this community with me. All the links will be in the show notes, so don't forget to check it out. Remember, when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. Have a great week.